Have you ever wanted to discover what's missing in your life? Metaphysics is available to all and is part of your life even if you don't know it. Welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil with Barb Crowley. Together we'll explore the mysteries behind metaphysics and how to use it to have a deeper understanding and advantage in life. And now here's your host, Barb Crowley. Hi, this is Barb Crowley and welcome to Metaphysics, a view through the veil. We're talking to Jenny Tyson today. Jenny is the author of three books, Spiritual Alchemy, Art of Scrying and Dowsing, and Art of Channeling. She's been on my show in the past talking about her work and her books, and it's been great conversations. Today, we're going to talk about UFOs, ETs, ultra-dimensionals. Jenny has been studying and investigating UFOs since the 70s and is a MUFON-trained UFO investigator, which, by the way, is an extremely serious um, investigative work. It is more like the FBI from what I've read. Um, She has developed a technique for CE5 that involves telepathy rather than a Skywatch-based setting. Listen, Jenny, thanks for being on here. I'm I'm so excited for this conversation. But but before we start, I want to um, sorry about that. I'm cutting you off. Um, I wanted to start with explaining CE5s and CE3s, because I'm not sure my audience would know. Okay. Um, basically, what I do, what I like to do, and this is this is something I've been doing since the 1990s, um, is uh, human-initiated contact is called is, is CE5. So like they have a classification like close encounters of the first kind, close encounters of the second kind, close encounters of the third kind, fourth kind, and then fifth kind is is the CE5. And CE5 is human-initiated um, human initiated contact. And it is usually done, it is always initiated by telepathy, but it is often done in a skywatch setting with a lot of equipment to try to document um document the encounters and um you know basically try to prove to people that this is that this is happening um my approach is a little bit different than that i focus on telepathy and communication because yeah lights in the sky are very helpful are interesting but it's more helpful to find out information and i have found that the ets that that come around here do indeed have a lot of information to share with us and not just like practical spiritual type information, but physical, you know, but, but practical things like how do they get here and their healing, their healing techniques. And if you believe it or not, the vast majority of um, physical trace evidence for ET contact is medical. It's healing. They heal people by the hundreds. I've read through probably close to 500 cases over the past year. Um, Preston Dennett and Dr. Joseph Burke, who was one of the original people with Stephen Greer, um, have both studied um, studied the ET healing and documented many cases where encounters have resulted in healing in conditions that we can no longer, that we cannot heal um, with our with our medicine. I'm a nurse by profession, so this is a, this is a very interesting uh, topic to me. How do they heal? How do, and how do you know they're healing? Um, 
based on the witness's description and also based on the evidence, the healing occurs oftentimes in settings where expert witnesses such as doctors, medical tests, nurses can, um, can examine the uh, patient um, after the healing occurs. They're leaving a trail of breadcrumbs. They're intentionally doing healing in medical settings where people with knowledge, with medical knowledge, can document uh, what's happening. Can you give me an example of that? Um, if, um, say. or how it, you know, walk me through how it happens, you know, are they um, in an operating room well, and back and ETs well, come in? Uh, the, okay. There's, there was, there was a number of cases where a patient had uh, cancer in some cases, terminal advanced cancer, stage four cancer. They were in the hospital and they were, t- they were taken, they were abducted from their room and, uh, in, in a, uh, on a ship or on a different planet. I'm not sure where they teleport people. And the ETs did a procedure and then returned them and they were healed from their condition. Uh, this, 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 is, this is typical of the cases that, um, that Preston Dennett uh, records and has written a very extensive, um, has, has recorded in a book, his book's like 800 pages. It's, I'm sorry, and, who uh, was Dr. that? You, you froze up a Preston, little bit. I'm sorry, Preston Dennett. He's a UFO okay. researcher. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I haven't been investigating ET healings per se. I have been reading and and basically trying to learn about the process, trying to figure out what's going on, how they're doing this. Because in these healings, the one thing I've noticed is that craft um, UFOs are oftentimes not even present. They don't always use craft to access people. And in one case, um, I did have a friend who ended up they thought they were on board a craft but i suspect that they may have actually been on a different planet they are teleported over vast distances possibly light years possibly hundreds of thousands of light years in an instant so this is this has been my interest is that how is this happening what are they doing and uh now how do they choose breadcrumbs I'm sorry. How did ahead. they choose that that person? You know, there are going to be so many people with cancer that it'll, you know, like I have no idea how your thing of going out and trying to call them in. And, you know, I don't I don't know how they're choosing people. That's something that we really don't know. We have three species that are doing the doing most of the healing. But it's you know, we're looking at you're talking about hundreds, hundreds of species that have been sighted on Earth. This is the known species that people have reported. There's probably more than that. And you're talking at least 500 species, different planets, and then factions within those planets and different groups within a, within a species. For example, the gray aliens, I know of at least two different factions it, within, that, within that species alone. That's the, the tall ones and the short ones? It's not just the tall ones and the short ones, but some of them are beneficial some of them are doing benevolent things and some of them are not some of them appear to be engaged in piracy what kind of piracy what do we have that they want they want our genes genetic yeah yeah. why would they want that summary i don't know but it's not just humans they go after they go after other animals too so i mean and also also people have have seen like zoos 
on board the spacecraft um, and thinking that they're preserving species, but I suspect there may be some sort of exotic animal trade going on as well. Wow. And this is not, you know, this is not all that that particular species. There are some that are involved in that and some that are definitely not involved in that. So we can't we can't put all these all the ETs into one bucket. We have to, you know, we have to understand that there are individuals, there are probably individuals that are engaged in this that are maybe breakaways or criminals um, of, or even different factions, possibly from a different planet. Because we know that also that colonization is occurring too. They colonize different planets that genetically alter people and then leave them on different planets. And it's not um, it's not just the Greys that are doing this, but it is uh, there are there was according to my contact, there have been other species doing this, going back in time and even transplanting um, beings uh, back in time millions of years. So there's time travel involved. It's very complex. It's a it's it's a you know it's it's there's there's a lot involved in this, um, but. There are also beneficial beings who are helping us, that want to help us, that want to engage us, that want to have a relationship with us. And these beings, I think, are worth um, trying to make contact with the, uh, through the CE5, through the human-initiated contact, and pursuing that kind of relationship. Um, we are better off trying to reach out and, and make friends with people who could be beneficial to us than hiding in fear and then making ourselves more vulnerable because we are not accepting help from beings who have superior technology and knowledge who might be able to help us out um, with this very complex situation. Why don't they, the ones who can heal or who do heal us, why don't they teach us how to do it? They have been teaching people. They have been teaching people. Yeah. Um, Human beings are not as... Um, it's basically energy healing. It's a it's a type of energy healing. They take the humans into a zone. It's I call it the nexus, right? It's not in the physical universe. It's in a place they create a safe place for humans um, because many of these species, some of these species have toxic have toxic um, uh, excretions or waste that um, if, that if humans come in contact with it can. Um, it could kill them or um, make them sick. So they create a safe place, take the human there, treat them, and then bring them back. And I suspect one of the characteristics of this safe place is that they can change molecular structure. And I think that's how they're doing it. Now, they're teaching people how to do this, but we don't have the capability yet of being able to completely um, go into that, in create a place in that zone, bring somebody in there, heal them, then bring them back. It requires teleportation. Um, it also requires uh, molecular restructuring, which we haven't really, I mean, we could do some basic things like astral projection. We could do it mentally, but doing it, doing it physically is very difficult. And we're not really capable of doing that at this point in time because we haven't developed the skill. So they have to take us out of the earth environment to their environment to do this it can't be done i think so either that or they create a bubble around the human beings around the person um, from that nexus where they can uh, restructure do molecular restructuring 
Now, these people that they heal, are they then healed from all illness for their lives? Do they live forever? <laughs> no. I mean, no, has anybody don't. followed up to to see what yes. happens to them? Uh, some of them, you know, they, they, they usually heal a specific illness, then return them. But, you know, I mean, eventually age catches up with everybody. They get sick again. Usually it's not done more than once. There's been a couple cases where they've done more than one. Um, one situation I know where a person who was who they valued as a contactee was injured severely. Um, they healed the, the injury, but the person was left with some brain damage and that was not healed. So I don't know. It's hard to tell. They may not be capable of doing everything. They may not have the knowledge. I mean, it's. I mean, we're talking like, you know, very complex xenobiology. We're very, you know, some of them were very different from them. Um, and, and they may be just, you know, the, the person that's doing it may in charge of that mission may not have the skill to heal everything. It varies from, from group to group. We don't, and, and there's really no pattern that I can identify at this point in time. Um, now, when you're investigating something, you got to keep an open mind and just observe the facts. But the thing is, is as, like I said, it's a complex situation. Um, they don't all do the same thing. They don't all heal in the same way. They don't do, you know, sometimes craft are involved. Some, most of the time, that's not. So it's, it's, it's just a really wide variety of things going on with a great deal, with a large number of different species that, you know, and groups within those species, it makes it a little bit hard to figure out. So we're just starting to, you know, work, work, um, work with this. And we tend to put everything, want to put everything in one box, but with this, you cannot do that because it's not going to fit in one box. You know, um, if you go back in our history, I mean, cave dwelling pictures and all of this, you can see where ETs, because they they paint them, and you can see right. where they are around us and in part of human nature, part of society, almost welcomed, almost normal. But yeah. at the same time, why are they not now? I mean, why did we lose that connection? I don't know. Um, and Maybe the species just moved on to another planet. Maybe they moved on to doing something else. I have no idea. Um, we bored I have them. been told. <laughs> I've been well, possibly. I mean, they're we're all explorers. So, like, you know, if you mm -hmm. if you got what you need off of one place, you're going to move on to something else. Um, right. That may I think that may be the case, but I don't know for sure. It may be. I mean, it may be that um, they got they got uh, attacked by by human military. Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's possible that there was a confrontation. We don't know. And, and of course, you know, I mean, the government of most of the countries in the world are not going to be very transparent about this. So we don't know if there was any interaction and we don't know how that interaction went or anything else. So it makes it it makes it even more difficult because we don't have all the information. Um they you are know, so that, much more advanced than we are. I don't see how any interaction with them would be to our benefit. I mean, they're just um, beyond us. They're not. No, no, no. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to contradict you there. I don't think they're all that advanced. Um, I think they've discovered something. See, well, this, this goes back, you know, we were talking earlier about astral projection and I said, this has a lot to do with advanced technology. So my, uh, you know, with, with, with studying the, what's going on, 
and studying the various cases as well as like my own experiments, it seems that it doesn't require advanced technology to go from one planet to another, one star system to another. It requires that you develop certain skills, and, and these skills seem to be based on astral projection. Now, astral projection seems to be a universal skill. That means that, that it is something that multiple species can do, and it seems to be the basis. It looks like this is the basis um, for advanced technology. So when you observe, like when you read about cases, you see some ETs, when they land, are acting absolutely derpy i mean they're not they don't they don't act in any like a scientist would act that is methodically studying the environment studying the people trying to figure out what's going on some of them just come out and goof off i mean they're playing they're 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 frolicking around or they're hunting um having a picnic they've been seen having picnics they've been they're acting like they're acting like sailors on shore leave so that to me tells me that not everybody's an advanced coming coming from a not everybody's an advanced species. It's we're missing something in our technology. We miss we miss something important. And because of that, we're not able to go from one star system to another. But I don't think I think it's something that's right in front of us, and I don't think it's something that's particularly advanced. So are these all advanced species? No, I don't think they are. I think I think some of them may even be more primitive than humans. But they can get here. They can we're, get here because not, they figured yeah. because they figured something out that we didn't figure out. It doesn't make them more advanced. It doesn't mean that their their technology is more advanced than ours. It means that they just stumbled across a technique that enables them to do that that we haven't stumbled across yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked earlier before we were on on the radio about um going you know flying from a planet or interdimensional going through a wormhole yeah you want to talk about that and which how they're getting here i guess is what it is in uh peru there is a group called mission drama and this group this was a group of people uh led by or it still is led by uh sexto pasuel's um and they discovered that they, that through uh, doing like meditation and, and a form of astral projection, um, that they could open up a portal. And they did this with the help of an ET. Went to a uh, ET base on the on the what is uh, I think it's the Saturnarian moon uh, Ganymede. I'm not sure where Ganymede is. I can't remember if it's Saturn or Jupiter. But anyways, they went to an ET base within our solar system. On one of the on one of the moons in the outer planets, and um, they did this through opening a portal. Now the ET helped them for the first time, but they are still able to do that and, and have since advanced that technology. Um, this is a type of technology I think that humans are going to be able to use to go from one place to another. That's opening. You don't need any equipment to do it. You just you. It's basically a group intention through and an, an astral projection like. Um, altered state. It's very similar to astral projection. It's not exactly like it, like a shamanic journey, astral projection, um, where your consciousness is projected, and then and then you, and then you create that connection for your body as well. Do you understand? Am I making? I, it doesn't sound very clear, does it? 
Well, I kind of, so you start with your imagination, basically. You start with imagining that you're, yeah, go ahead. It's focus, it's focus and intention. And they did this as a group focus and intention. And every, every CE5 group that is successful does this as a unified whole. So it's a group of people. You can't do it by, I don't know if you could do it by yourself. It's difficult to, it's more difficult to do by yourself than it is in group. Um, just because we're not that powerful psychically yet. Um, and we haven't developed the skill. Once you develop the skill, then you might be able to do it um, Do it on your own. I'm trying to work on that. I'm trying to see if I can figure out how to do it. Um, that's one of the things I'm working on. Um, so you're not working group, in a group. You're working on your own. No. Well, there's no. I'm, there's not many people here. So <laughs> yeah, I'm kind yeah. of in a remote area. So. So, I mean, we have a CE5 group, but they're they're like 300 miles away. It'd be about like going from, I don't know, maybe from uh, Colorado Springs up to Cheyenne, Wyoming. Oh, that's, that's far. About yeah. that, that's the kind of yeah. distance I have and to deal with if I want to. do it like over Zoom. If you're all intentionally doing it, do you have to physically be you together to physically or be can it. you? Yeah. Oh, you, yeah, do. you do. Yeah. So, you yeah you, so it's not something even you can if do you're... online. Yeah, or it's you can tried. do intentionally. Yeah, yeah. I think the uh, group and one of the groups in Ottawa tried to open one up by the space station because it was being because mm-hmm. they have a video and they could see it, you know, and they could get some kind of feedback. I don't know that they were able to do anything. Um, right. So it's very. I mean, it might be possible if you had, but but I mean, it would be very difficult because you're not having that kind of feedback that you need um, to 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 push forward. And you, otherwise, you're just kind of flailing. You got to be connected as a group. And, and honestly, for human beings, the best way to do that is to sit in a circle um, for half the night and 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 work on it together. And there's something about doing that is as a group um, that makes it a lot easier to accomplish than if you're than if you're on your own or if you're over uh, over the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But you're trying to do it on your own. Have you been successful at all? I've had I've had sightings. I've had some I've had some kind of contact. And like I said, I have I've gotten information and I have seen I've seen beings. I have seen beings before. I've seen craft, uh, several craft. And so, I mean, I've had some success with it, but I haven't opened like a portal on the ground. Or if I have, it's just a very small one. I got I have some pictures of something that looked like looked like that something was getting ready to start um very interesting uh photos um but that was a while i i I don't know if you've seen those or not i had them i had them posted there for a while um but but it it basically you could it looked like a like a like a a fog taking form like it was foggy and and the fog was like materializing into something and then and then there was one time when i picked up a light on the ground and there was a light on the ground, but it was, I didn't see anything physically. I had to use a, I had to use a video camera to see it. And it wasn't usable as far as like being able to go from one place to another or bring anything back. So, you know, it's just, it's just a matter. I'm at this point, it's a matter of trial and error. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and it's, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a deep rabbit hole. It's going to take me a while to, get anywhere if I can get anywhere, but at least I'm, you know, I am finding out interesting things, you know, as I go along. 
um, that you know the 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 idea of the groups and everything else like that comes from both investigation and asking questions and having those questions answered. Sometimes they're answered in dreams. Sometimes they're answered through telepathy. Sometimes it's just a synchronicity. Um, various ways of uh, information getting across. <clears throat> now, do they know that you're trying to contact them? Why would they not come to you? Since they can um, come to well, you, but you know, re remember, remember when they're on mission. The, when they're on mission, they've got their own objectives that they're doing. So you got to kind of break their concentration enough to have them say, "Oh, yeah, there's somebody trying to reach us," and then they have to have the time to do it. So I, you know, there's a number of things that have to come together for that to happen. Um, they have to pick you up. They have to find you. And that you know, I mean, remember the Earth is a big planet, and they're not just working with just one planet. So, you know, there's there's inhabitants, there's people, entities like on the moon, there's probably entities on Mars and throughout the solar system, there's probably craft flying around. Uh, so they, you know, it's we got a lot of and that's in addition to what's on Earth. So they have to make sure that they're safe to come here and they have to make sure that you know they have to find you. So there may be like lots of responses that just don't reach the people doing it just because the the ETs were didn't have enough time to uh, to uh, narrow you know to narrow down the search or uh, didn't feel like that they were safe doing so. Mm -hmm. um, they we had talked about um, Skywalker Ranch before. I yeah. think that's the name, right? Yeah, and where where they're watching um, energies coming through or ETs coming through their portal. They have an open portal, it looks like, and they're watching ETs come through and they've got shape shifters. They've got Sasquatch being one of them, you know, but they don't yeah. seem to be able to stay for any length of time. And I've yeah. come to the conclusion that unless they take <clears throat> a human body, which is probably really scrambles them pretty good, they can't stay in this world for any length of time the density i don't know why actually i don't know why. well i think i think i think that there's a lot of human hybrids out there that are coming here okay there's a lot of genetic modification going on um with humans and that i think that's probably why our dna is so sought after um because there's apparent, apparently there's a flexibility. It's easy to work with. It's easy to modify. I don't know. I think that's probably the, what's what's going on with that. Um, so, but I don't think that any being that is that is genetically um, genetically designed to live on one particular planet can live long on another planet and uh, survive. So I think that probably that there it's just a matter of survival. Our atmosphere, our metabolism is based on oxygen in the atmosphere. We have to have the oxygen at 20 to 21% in order for us to survive. If you increase the carbon dioxide concentration, it's poisonous to us. If you increase the hydrocarbon concentration too much, it's poisonous to us, very poisonous to us actually. And so, I mean, our, our metabolism is very, very delicate. And, and, and if you take, make the assumption that other people are the same way, if you have even slight variations to that metabolism, you're going to have a limited ability to survive in our atmosphere. So I think that possibly without an environment suit, so the ability of other entities to survive in, on earth for any length of time is probably somewhat limited. And, 
like for example, I have one contact um, who is who is a hybrid human who says that when he comes to earth, it burns his lungs. It's because the oxygen content, he says they have to learn how to breathe just out of one side of their, one part of their lungs. They breathe just one side of their lungs and then switch it back and forth. And they have to repair the damage when they get back into their own environment. So he says they, they don't, they don't stay long here. They only, they only stay a few hours before the, before they start having a lot of damage to their lungs even though they depend on an oxygen metabolism like we do, they can't, our oxygen, our atmosphere is too concentrated for them to breathe properly and to, um, and to survive for any length of time. And just like a human being, that's a, that's typical of a human being. Like if, for example, if I were, if your um, oxygen, if your lungs are able to take in enough oxygen from the air you breathe, if I add supplemental oxygen to you and you don't need it, it will burn your lungs. It will damage your lungs. If you do that over a long period of time, it could kill you. Wow. I had no idea so, how to put that oxygen bottle down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, going up well, in the mountains here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, but. But you know what, if you go up, if you're, if you're adapted to 14, say you live up, you work up on that restaurant up on top of Pikes Peak, um, then, and you come down, well, what's going to happen? What's going to, what's going to happen when you come down? Uh, You're going to, uh, you know, you could, you, you, you could damage, you could damage your lungs doing that. That's, that is a possibility. Um, I don't think it's a lot of damage. I don't think they tell anybody. <laughs> I don't, you know, the poor waiters and waitresses. I don't think they mention that to them. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, um, on Skywalker Ranch, um, Skinwalker. But Skinwalker. I knew there was something yes. wrong with that. It's Skinwalker. Yeah. Um, when you know, there's some pretty damn scary stuff coming through that portal. And yeah. some of it is pretty violent and pretty um, wants to damage humans, wants to take over. You yeah. know, um, was is it the oxygen that they never have taken over? Because they are of a more powerful species. We can't do what they're doing, and they have things that we couldn't survive. I mean... Yeah. Oh, you've we, got mutilation. Oh, we'll talk about mutilation in a minute. Now I'm getting into too many subjects in one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know, it's just like Earth. We have we have animals here that are very peaceable and very friendly. Dogs are dogs are wonderful angel angelic little animals. Um and then we have cats that want to take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah (laughs) we have we have we have predators but 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 like things like um mackerel are pretty benign unless you're Mm -hmm. unless you're an anchovy then they're pretty dangerous so it's a matter of perspective you know so as above so below so like what we experience on earth we have predator prey relationships we have a we have a complex symbiotic relationship with the planet with the creatures on the planet like for example, I think I think that we're symbiotic with dogs because we've evolved with dogs for so long and had dogs. But I think I think people who who maybe not have one, I'm kind of wondering if that might be causing autoimmune because the bacteria 
um, of a dog and the human bacteria kind of interact with each other and strengthen the immune system of both species. So we have we have a very symbiotic relationship with our with our environment, um, and and but some of that environment is very violent. It's a balance. So we have we have you know very peaceful aspects to it, and we have very violent aspects to it. Um, and I suspect that the whole universe is like that. We have some species that are going to be very harmful and violent, and we have some species that are not. And 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 what we've seen so far seems to be seems to support that. What we have here on Earth is also present throughout the entire universe. You know what? I'm going to take a break right now, and then when I come back, when we come back, you can come back with me. <laughs> when we come back, I'm going to see if we can talk too about some of the um, the animal mutilations and all of that. Okay, so we'll be right back. Okay. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. One thing's for certain, life is uncertain. Do you navigate the unknowns? Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com to sign up for psychic readings and classes with Barb Crowley. You can schedule one-to-one sessions with Barb for personal and relationship counseling, pet communication, mediumship, career and business direction, or sign up for one of her classes. Everyone has answers through the metaphysical plane, but they need help to access them. Get the help you need today. Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. You are listening to Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil with Barb Crowley. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to aviewthroughtheveil at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, this is Barb Crowley, and we're back with Jenny Tyson. And Jenny um, and I have been talking about ETs. She's she's been working very closely with CE five experiences. Um, but we when we left you, we were talking about well, I want to talk about um, animal mutilations, and what is what do you know about them, and why is that? That's got to be a, a DNA genetic thing too. But why the mutilation? Well, see, one day. There was an alien UFO. They were they were driving along, right, and and they saw some a can of something sitting down um, at the on the edge of the road. So they 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 dropped their spacecraft down and they and they and they decided to investigate what was in the can. It was a little can about that big. So they opened up the can, and and they found little tiny sausages inside. And being able to read human thing, they, they looked at the site and it said Vienna sausages. And and they decided they tasted them and oh my gosh, they just loved them. So they started going around <laughs> and finding the parts for the Vienna sausages so they could make them for themselves. 
<laughs> wow, that's the best story I've heard so far for that. <laughs> wow. Let's see. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I have to clown a little bit. I can't be serious all the time. Okay. Right, but, but, but that but, is but the is... best explanation I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, honestly, I'm kind of wondering if they just like the taste of it because they seem to pick on the same things all the time. Maybe they like cow tongue. Maybe it's a, maybe it's like a delicacy and they, and they, and they make, you know, like if they get a few cow tongues, maybe they can, you know, retire in the way in which they would like to become a customer or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems vicious. It seems so. Vicious. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, so when I first started with MUFON, I was, I was, tr I was trained in Maryland and I was trained under uh, Dr. Bruce McAbee. And I worked with Major George Filer for a long, uh, for the for the few years that I was that I was in there. Um, and during that time, Linda Moulton Howe was doing a lot of investigations. There were a lot of cattle mutilations going on. Everybody was kind of in a freakout zone because all of a sudden we start having all these crop circles and we start having cattle. We start having mutilation. It's not just cattle because they were they were reporting cases of elk being mutilated. There were um what was it um during the time that mount st helens erupted they found mutilated uh they found mutilated elk and moose and and you know i mean it just seemed to be kind of a really scary widespread thing and there were a couple of cases where they appeared to do the same thing to human beings hikers um in the woods now these were reported by in uh what was it missing 411 i'm kind of skeptical of the human cases um, because it's not, there's been a lot of abductions, but there hasn't been anything like that as a rule being reported. So I'm kind of like, okay, well, I need more evidence for that one. But the cattle mutilations I, and, and the animal mutilations, I suspect are probably either they are, they are, it's a specialty item that they want to eat or they are harvesting genetic material and need those particular parts. Uh, it might be a little bit of both. The, 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 they don't need a lot of genetic material to do what they need to do. So I'm kind of thinking that maybe it might be because it's, it's, it's a food item that they make something that they make. Either they, they harvest it and use it to make more food um, or they harvest it and, and make a meal. Uh, for themselves that's a you know that's a particular delicacy we we do the same thing and they're see they're looking and seeing what what animals we use uh, as food animals and cattle are are you know cattle in the 1990s cattle were our primary were our dietary staple they do the same thing with like sheep and goats in areas where those are staple foods so they're 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 eating the same thing they're, they i think they're eating the same thing that humans are or they're trying to make food for humans. That may be another thing is that they're harvesting it for a hybrid human population. And, and, you know, like, you know, like lab grown meat, they're using it for, they're using it to grow more uh, food for human hybrids that they may be using as, um, as workers or slaves or possibly colonizing um, on, on other ships or other planets. Um, I, you know, I think, I think the, the, the evidence seems to indicate something along those lines. Um, mm -hmm. 
they seem to focus mostly on food animals, animals, large animals that we use for food. You don't see too much um, of the mutilations going on like with dairy herds. You see it with beef herds, uh, meat animals, so uh, meat goats. Um, I didn't realize uh, meat, that. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to follow it. it it seems to follow more of a pattern. Now you do see some other breeds, like the, you do see some dairy uh, dairy harvesting, but mostly mostly it's in in uh, meat stock, uh, the Angus. But some of um, them they take they drain them of their blood, don't they? Take all the blood out. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Maybe they maybe they make you know we we eat blood sausage, so maybe that's something that they like to eat. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, they could be, it, like I said, it could be just a food item that blood has all kinds of genetic material and it tells them all kinds of information mm -hmm. about the immune system and everything else about the animal. So maybe they exsanguinate them because that's that's the most, and it's also, blood is very, very nutritious. It's uh, probably the densest uh, source of nutrition in a uh, large uh, warm-blooded animal. Mm. So that's what makes me think that possibly it's a um it's harvesting for food purposes so although i mean they may not be eating the individual animals maybe they're doing it their lab growing um materials from that for um for consumption i mean they have right. to eat they have to eat so they do have to eat because i don't even know that do ETs yeah. eat yes they do and the human like the human hybrids the nordics have been observed like they eat um they 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 eat human grains they, they eat a very similar diet to what we eat. Um, some have reported them eating fish. They, they, they're not vegetarians. They, they usually have a bit of meat, but they have, um, they have a healthier, uh, probably a healthier diet than, uh, than we do right now. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so unless chemicals uh, in their food or maybe not, or maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe more. Yeah. They might, they might yeah. have more, who knows? You know, we don't right. know. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, huh. some of them have, like the grays seem to have a very simple um, food absorption ability. They're absorbing this transdermal. They they absorb their nutrition through their skin. Um, for that, you're going to need, uh, you're, you're probably going, it's probably going to be based on um, some sort of um, animal protein, uh, just simply because it's, it's something that's going to absorb better through the skin. Uh, plant material is very complex. It's much more difficult to digest. We have to have uh, certain bacteria in our guts in order to digest plant material uh, and utilize it. And it's a very it's a very complex um, setup that we have uh, for um, for eating plants. Now, for human beings, this is much healthier. Um, it's it's healthier for us to eat a wide variety of plants. And and not so much meat, but maybe their maybe their metabolism is different. I don't know. This is just a guess. I have not been told. I have not really investigated it. But based on my observations, it seems like they're going after beef herds um, mm -hmm. and beef an and and meat animals. So my guess would be they're 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 experimenting with human food to see what to see what um, what they can come up with. They've also been known to experiment with grain. And they've harvest. Uh, they've been seen like they sometimes harvest grain. Um, that's unusual. That's that's not something that you hear about being reported. Right. Um, Unless but, it's but in I'm, crop circles. No, they're not Unless harvesting that harvest. grain because the, the grain heads are still intact on the crop circles, but they they the um, the nodes on the uh, plants are exploded, 
And according to BLT, they, the explosion that that sort of What's damage DLT? is caused by micro. Uh, I was a Leavenworth. Oh, geez. They were they were studying crop circles a while back. But anyways, the damage to the plant is from is similar to damage caused by microwave radiation rather than physical trauma. At least in the crop circles that were being studied during the time that I was at MUFON, they showed us samples. We had samples of the plants that had been bent over by mechanical means, like you know, walking on the like stomping and crushing the plants and plants that had been in the crop circles. And it was it was a bizarre. the The plants were bent, but it was in a, it was like they were grown that way rather than being crushed that way. The stems were not crushed. Yeah, it was weird. It was really strange looking. Yeah. And and I mean, we sat. We had a we had quite a few samples because we were having, we were having studies. We were having crop circles in Maryland at that time. Again, you don't see this in there, but but uh, I know George Reynolds was going out. We were going out on the field. And, and seeing these crop circles, and I've seen a couple here. Again, it's not the complex stuff that you see in, in uh, Wiltshire, England, but I've seen crops. I've had, I had even had one like in my own yard. And I looked at the plants, mm. and sure enough, it was the same sort of damage. It was really strange. And the farmers, they lost, a, they lost about a third of their wheat crop to that. I didn't wow. take any pictures and of it because. I didn't because I didn't want to get blamed for it. I was scared to take any pictures because <laughs> I mean they were they were fit to be tied, and I'm like, no, oh, I'm bad. A third is a huge amount. That's a huge it was, amount. It was a large crop circle. It looked like it had smaller crop circles around it, and they never grew grain in that field again after that. They stopped growing grain over there deliberately by choice. Then. They I guess it. I don't they know could. what yeah. it, it, the fields, the field is not properly terraced. So it's like, they'd have to do a lot of work on it to make it more productive again. And it's only about 25 acres. So it's a small, it's maybe a little bit too small to grow grain on. They're growing cabbage now on it. So nobody's coming for cabbage. <laughs> Nobody wants cabbage. <laughs> I do. I love cabbage. Do you? <laughs> I oh, geez. I, I ferment it. I make, I make uh, kimchi. I make sauerkraut. The dogs, the dogs were eating my leftover kimchi today. Wow! I can't believe I'm it. I'm surprised at that. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah, and it's and it's sour. And dogs usually don't like strong taste. These two, man, I'll tell you, they eat anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They eat, they'll eat lemons. They'll eat limes. They'll eat they'll eat carrot. They fight over carrots. They love carrots. Wow! Oh, they're like. What do you yeah, think the eat. crop? I'm sorry. What do you think the crop circles were about? I think they're messages. I, I mean, some of them are anyways. Uh, some of them are some of them are pranks. I mean, there are some fakes, but but I mean, there was like if you look uh, at um, one of the ones that does uh, Simeon Hine talks about is like they sent a message via uh, Arecibo back back in the day when it was you know useful. Um, they sent a message out and they re received a reply in a crop circle, and it was a complex reply in the same sort of format that they sent out and i mean like well we're sending out messages and we're not getting anything back and it's like uh guess what guys <laughs> right yes we can have. we read the we crop got... circles can we read them though Does yeah, anybody out one, there who can one, really they read were it? able to read that yeah they were able to read that one and again simeon hine kind of recorded um in a book and also discussed on on uh, in a um it was a oh it was a video meeting sort of thing um, a lecture 
he discussed what the what the reply meant with how they interpreted the reply but the reply was pretty clear and it was understandable and you know i mean he what showed how say? they came to those conclusions huh what did it I'm say sorry? what did the oh, crop gosh. circle say it it taught okay like we sent out like a message about our genetics what our genetics were our location and they described our star system they did the same thing back the genetics their star system in the same in the same sort of uh, code that they sent it out in and then there was some mathematics stuff too that i don't remember exactly i'm trying to recall stuff that's like 10 years old here <laughs> yeah and why did the crop circle stop they seem to have stopped or we just don't hear anything more about them i think we're just not hearing anything i mean like did you there was there was some out like in um, like in saskatchewan Nobody ever heard about those. And mm. the one in Maryland, the one in Maryland, George uh, picked up, he took, went out there with a camera and he was picking up blue orbs flying over the thing. And, and nobody, nobody talked about that either. And you never heard, you never heard that, but I mean, you wouldn't, that, he presented that in a, in one of the meetings and it was like, he, he, he had just come back from developing the film. I mean, it was like done that done the week of the, done the week of the meeting. And there we are. And uh, what is, it wasn't Northeast uh, in Perryville. That's the name of the town. Uh, we were in the meeting in Perryville and he, and he was coming in and showing us all these pictures. And we're like, wow, what is it? This is really crazy. You know? Um, uh, Let me and, ask you on orbs now. What are yeah. orbs? Are they ETs? Are they ghosts? We don't know what they were. You know? We had no idea what they were. He didn't know what yeah. it was. He was scared. But he saw him. He saw, he could see them with his eyes. It wasn't just right. caught on camera. He could actually see them flying around, and he got a picture of them. And this was back before we had digital photography, right? This was yeah. this was back in the days of the VHS and the thirty-five millimeter film and all that stuff. So you know, that I mean, he wasn't had to take that long ago. It's not like it was hundred years ago. <laughs> I know it was it what thirty older. years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was 30 years ago. Yeah. I feel so old. All these poor people, all these people are gone. I mean, they're all dead now. <laughs> and they, do Bruce you Maccabee. think they Bruce know Maccabee the answers? Is still around. Huh? You think, you think when they die, do you think they go to any of these planets? I'm sure they do. do I'm think? sure they do. Yeah. 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 So I got to tell you how you know, I started doing, doing CE Yeah. Because that yeah, was an adventure. Yeah. That was a real adventure. Back in the 90s, or actually it was in the 80s, there was a young man who was, who was, who was running a cable company just as the cable TV was getting started in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. His name was Kenny Young. He was a UFO investigator, um, big fan of the Skeptical Inquiry. He was a great guy. And I got in touch with him, um, and we decided, well, he said, he said that he was going to have a field investigation. There was some Bigfoot and entity sightings right around the Shawnee National Forest, which is close to Serpent Mound in southern Ohio. I was living in Maryland at the time, and I thought, that's a camping trip waiting to happen. And <laughs> my daughter was visiting her dad at the time, so I was I was uh, footloose and fancy free. So I grabbed my tent, and I hopped in my car, and I went down to, went down to Cincinnati. And um, it was beautiful. Oh, my gosh, that campground was absolutely the bomb. It was beautiful. What year was that? Oh, jeez. Let me think. You know, range, thereabouts. Okay, Patricia was born in 1992. 
probably about 1995 mm-hmm. or 1994 or 1995. Right. And so there was a drought that year. It was a good year for doing like like a field investigation for creatures because there was only one place in that in that forest that had that had any water. The rest of the place was dried up. There wasn't any ground cover. The vegetation was down. So it was really good for us so we could go cross country. We could bushwhack um, and there were no ticks. The mosquitoes were at a minimum, which is unusual for that time of year. No cicadas, um, huh? No cicadas that year. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so we 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 all met down there at that campground and we 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 went down there. We we started out at eleven o'clock at night. He says, We're gonna go and look for tracks down in the mud by this lake, and this lake was the only water source around. So we knew there was gonna be lots of animals coming down. There's tons of deer tracks. We didn't really find anything that specifically looked like a Bigfoot track or a kind of strange entity. But as we started, we said, well, let's try to make an like Bigfoot were supposedly responsive to like whacking a stick on a tree. Um, mm-hmm. They used to communicate. So we did that a couple of times, whacked a couple. And then we heard this, oh, this, this horrible howling sound. And it was like, oh, and we had night vision. We had one guy and night vision was a new thing back then. Right. It was a really fancy mm-hmm. piece of equipment. He was military and everything. So we were looking around there. We couldn't see anything. And then all of a sudden, something started throwing rocks at us, and it was hitting like a tractor that was by the lake. And you could hear the rocks striking the metal. At that point, we broke and ran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had no idea yeah. what it was. We couldn't see anything. It was dark. It was like 11 o'clock at night. I don't think there would be any people. There were no roads going in here. We were bushwhacking across country. Nobody knew we were back there. I mean, I don't know what was going on. You know what? I have to break in here. We have run out of time, so I'm leaving everyone with this cliffhanger of Jenny and her friend running through the woods at night. Um, If you want to see what happens next, come join us on YouTube at A View Through the Veil. You can also, in the meantime, get hold of Jenny on Facebook at Worldwide CE5 and Spirit Contact or email her at bluefirephoenix, which with two X's, at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Barb Crowley, next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your upcoming weekend.